0: I had belief in myself and I knew that sales was the one area that I could really show what I could do. And if I worked really, really hard, I could make more money.
1: Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success, and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. (laughs) Yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso, He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So, jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show.
2: What is your mindset and attitude when life throws you a curveball? Better yet, a 100 mile an hour fastball coming right at you. If you're dealing with a severe bout of cancer, could you put a humorous spin on it to help you and others deal with what you're going through in a positive manner? Well, my guest is MJ Calloway and she's a former corporate sales trader and the only female sales executive to rank number one for a national builder. She knows firsthand the disruptions that leaders, managers and executive teams handle daily and how to remain positive, productive and profitable. As a two-time cancer survivor, she's known for shifting staff attitudes and converting tactics into results. Her newly released book, Bounce Up, Outpower Adversity, Boost Resilience, Rebound Higher, has been endorsed by the CEO of Healthy Workforce Institute. As MJ puts it, while you can't control life's face plants, you can't control how high you bounce up. Bounce Up mixes real-life inspirational comeback stories, humorous antidotes, and tools to strengthen resilience and performance. Using her life-altering stories, MJ illustrates the bounce-up fundamentals that your team needs to boost resiliency, results, and revenue. With proven strategies and a game plan, your team members will know how to increase their bounce-up factor. She delivers her three game-changing fundamentals to outpower adversity, crush change, and unleash momentum to bounce up. If you need any additional motivation and inspiration today, this is a must listen to episode. By the time we finished the interview, I was so motivated that I would walk through a wall for MJ. At one point, she had me laughing so hard that tears were coming down my face. Those were tears of laughter and tears of sorrow at the same time. So before we get to the interview, let's take care of a few housekeeping items.
1: This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritis, LLC, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content, virtually or in person or on site, that is memorable and engaging in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders a story that creates engaging and relationship building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritas, CPA and certified speaking professional delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually in person and on site at your location or at an offsite venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat or workshop.
2: Please subscribe and share this podcast episode with a friend. I would greatly appreciate your support. Now let's get to the interview with MJ Calloway. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Oh man, is this going to be a fun interview? Oh, I know. I think all my interviews are fun, but today my guest is MJ Calloway, and MJ has got a story and a half that she's going to share with us, and she has a book that she published, came out right after the pandemic hit, and the name of the book is "Bounce Up: Out Power Adversity." Boost resilience and rebound higher. So, MJ, first and foremost, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to spend some time with me.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Peter. It is a delight to be on your show. I've listened to some of your podcasts, so I'm happy to be here.
2: Oh, thank you for being a listener. That's even that's one step even higher. Yay! <laughs> we met maybe about a year ago through NSA. Uh, you're over in the Pittsburgh chapter. Right. And I I try. Dave Caperton and I came over uh, when Kelly Swanson was speaking. Yes, and that's that's where we met. And then you attended a couple of our events. And I was thinking about it because I do interview a lot of NSAers, and I said, "Well, let me, let me look at NJ because I and I went oh my I saw the bounce up, and I went, oh I got to have her on on the podcast. So what spurred? Because you've you've written another book, Self Success Roadmap. Yes. So what spurred you to write? bounce up?
0: Oh, a number of things. First, <laughs> I mean, so many things. First, I wanted to it to be a book that would inspire others so that anyone who was going through adversity, anybody who was going through a setback, could believe in themselves that they could get through it. And I share, I have several stories mm-hmm. that really could have taken me down a different path. It could have caused me to have a victim mentality instead of looking at it as a way to bounce up. And I use that analogy because bounce back. If we say bounce back, think about this. It could take us right back to where we were before the adversity hit.
1: Right.
0: So think about the pandemic. Do we want to go back to March 14th, 2020? No. <laughs> no way. And the same with me. One one of my stories that I shared in the book is being a two-time cancer survivor. There isn't any way. I want to go back to fall of 2016. I learned yeah. so much more in those four years, not only personally but professionally, because I realized my business was running me instead of me running my business.
2: <laughs> oh, that hurt. I, I can relate with that. <laughs>
0: stress which you know i can't say that that's what caused the cancer but i am sure it didn't help it right right exactly you know and with so think about this i'll give you a great analogy that i like to share is that okay with you first absolutely okay think about have you ever bought or had One of those inflatable punching bags that have sand on the bottom, and it usually, at least in old, you know, old school days, it had a clown on the front. Now there's lots of different pictures on the front. You punched it, and it bounced right back. It didn't go anywhere. It didn't move. It didn't grow. That's bounced back.
2: (laughs) That's a great analogy.
0: (laughs) It is. And whenever we get back to being on site, I actually take a punching bag on stage with me. Or when I'm training on site, I take it with me, you know, because the visual is so great.
2: Yeah, because that class will get punched again and punched again and punched again and punched again.
0: Exactly. And that's us because life hits us. And I love to use Rocky. Are you a Rocky fan? You know, the Rocky movie, Rocky Balboa?
2: Oh, uh, you Adrian. Yeah.
0: Yes. Well, in one, and I believe it was Rocky 5, he has a, a lecture or talk or speech to his son. And he says... No one's ever going to hit you as hard as life hits you, mm-hmm. which is so true. You know, and that clown, that punching bag is life hitting you. Mm-hmm. So instead of thinking about bounce back, let's think about bounce up. And you play basketball. So I'd mm-hmm. love to share my basketball analogy. Does that sound good? Absolutely. So think about the basketball. In what position did you play, Peter?
2: Well, I was a uh, height challenge. So I was a guard.
0: <laughs> okay, so thinking about that, my son was a guard too. He's point guard because he was a little guy. But yeah. think about the guys who are under the hoop. They're in mm-hmm. the paint. They are ready to get that rebound. Mm-hmm. And the person who jumps higher, the player who jumps higher than everybody else on, on that court. And I like to think about Wilt Chamberlain because he has the most rebounds. And probably, at least in our lifetime, no one will ever catch him because it's thousands. You know, he's ahead by thousands. Right. He grabs that ball. He brings it down. Now he has control of the ball, the next play, and depending upon where the team is with the game, he's control the game too. So taking control, it doesn't matter what happens in life, we have control over how we respond.
2: Wow, I love the analogy. That's great. And a lot of people do take a victim role. Yes. You know, why is this happening to me versus... I have control over my decision. I have control over this. I wanna take control of the situation. And you know, my, I, I was diagnosed at ripe old age of 40 something as a type one diabetic, which seems strange, but it's really not as strange as one thinks. And I just went, okay. And somebody said, well, are you devastated? Well, it's not pancreatic cancer, it's diabetes. It can be managed. Just have to manage it. and just right. try to take to take that bounce up mentality.
0: Yes. Exactly. And you had steps to take. You had action to take because the other part, you know, some people might stay stuck. You know, you didn't. You had taken control.
2: Absolutely. And I think and I think about the pandemic when it hit, I think a lot of people got stuck and didn't you know, shift, adapt, change the business model. new things in because they thought it was going to end sooner than it has and by the time they decided they need to do something i think some may have waited too long yes and the thing is to your point i don't want to go back but i i you know i i wrote a, a recent article that along the same lines about about change i don't want to go back to the 70s 80s 90s i don't want to go back when the internet when the worldwide web was an internet service and download speeds are like minus one. <laughs> and cars didn't have safety systems in them. I don't want to go back to that, to that way of life. I want to be here and working forward.
0: Right. Oh, my goodness. Think about it. Back, back in the day, Dow up. And you just sit and wait. And you're listening to that Dow tone. No. I mean, we have information at the speed of lightning, you know, which is awesome.
2: Right, I hear a lot of my some of my friends go. God, I wish we'd just go back. You remember sniffing mimeograph paper in, in elementary school? How we used to make copies. <laughs> oh, no. thanks for th- thanks for the uh, reminiscing, but no, I don't want to go back to those days. It may have been simpler, but you know, it's this is called progress, and, and things keep bouncing up, moving forward, not getting stuck in a spot. Right. So I do have a question because as I, I was reading your bio, certified sales professional. There's a story there.
0: Yes. <laughs> oh, I ended up in sales, and I know you consider yourself an accidental accountant. Yes. I would say I am an accidental <laughs> sales professional. Yes. I originally went to school for fashion merchandising. Oh, really. And Yes, and then realized oh, it really wasn't what I wanted to do. So I switched to business administration. And then when I had gotten out of school, the jobs that Robin were in sales. So I had taken a job, actually I had taken a job with a fitness center because mm-hmm. I thought it was about fitness. And I was a cheerleader whenever I was in high school. And I thought, oh, this fits right with what I'm doing, you know, what I've always done. And I realized it wasn't about fitness, it was about sales. So I ended up in a sales position, and it seemed like that's what my journey was, one sales position after another. But I will say when I really thought about going back and you know how we dig into our stories, the story about sales really goes back to when I was a child, my mother and my aunt were making these swans out of coat hangers, you know, the wired coat hangers mm-hmm. and toll, nylon toll. And they were making, they were swans and they made them in different colors and it would go on like the back of the toilet tank or in the bathroom somewhere on mm-hmm. a shelf. And I was going door to door selling these for them. And for everyone I sold, I got a quarter. Well, I was really into selling those. And it's so funny because when when I think about it and a neighbor would say, oh no, I don't need it. And I say, oh, but you can use it. And I would give them ideas of how to use it. And I sold a lot of those nylon tool swans, mm-hmm. which is so funny. I wish I had a picture of them now that I could post on my website.
2: But I think I think about your book, Bounce Up, a Certified Sales Professional, in sales you hear a lot of no, right? Yeah. Yes. No. Don't need it. Don't need it. There's a lot of rejection in being selling. And to have the perseverance and the ability to bounce up, not bounce back and keep moving forward. You know, I, I see that as another piece uh, that went into your book is as a sales professional, you're ba- if you if you're not bouncing up, you're bouncing into a new job.
0: Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And Peter, I've been in not only sales, but I also have a background in publishing. So, as a freelance writer, I've more than two thousand articles that have been published. It's another industry that is all about rejections. Mm. If you've ever heard the story from authors saying, I have more rejections, I could post, I could wallpaper my office with them. So, you know, with sales and with publishing, I was accustomed to rejections. So you just blow it off and you say, next. You know, it's like, okay, we weren't a great fit, but that's okay. And when I think about, I have, back in 2004 and 2006, I had two books that were published by Warner Books, and it's under a pen name. And those two books, they were held, the manuscript was held by McGraw-Hill first. Mm -hmm. And McGraw-Hill actually said no. Held it for five months, the manuscript. And afterwards, I will say, you know, at first, devastated. And one of the things that they said was I didn't have enough of a platform, my co-author and I. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, how do we get a platform? So taking that step. But I looked at it as McGraw-Hill wasn't the right fit. And when the contract came around for Warner Books, it was the perfect fit. So even though we might get that rejection, it's Mm -hmm. because it wasn't right at that time.
2: But we tend to take that rejection personally.
0: We do. And that is what catches us up. And I will tell you, I've had rejections from, especially my last corporate position. I had rejections at first, you know, no, no, no. And then there were times where I would just keep reaching out to them. And two years later, that person who said no came back. Or someone who said no referred friends to me. So that no can lead you to other places.
2: That's great advice. And that's something I will, I will take uh, your advice on. I enjoy building relationships and sales has always been a, a challenge for me, but I do work on and try to improve it every, all the time. But nobody's ever kind of put it that way that I will keep that, that piece. I'm, I'm taking that piece of advice and, and going to run with it.
0: Good. Cause anybody who has said no, your next step is, can we still keep in touch? Right. May I add you to my list? You know, I understand. I also, with that, if you get a no, I want to find out why I got the no. That's something that I had always, you know, made sure I asked, you know, what is it that had you making that decision? You know, I never use why did you make that decision? Mm -hmm. You know, what caused that decision? What could I do better, you know, to see if it was me? Every time I did get a no and I still do this, I Mm -hmm. evaluate. I evaluate, okay, how could I make it better next time? What can I do differently? And then finding out from that other person, that potential buyer, you know, what did they want that I didn't have or say I had? Because sometimes it's miscommunication.
2: You know, I, as you're telling the story, all last year, I was approaching a CPA firm here in Ohio with a new product that I was offering. And I thought I had all my bases covered. I thought, could answer everything. And and luckily I knew these guys and I could see that this whole process was going south rather quickly. And I said, okay, guys, Mm -hmm. stop. I thought I was prepared. I was not. I love the questions that you've asked. I didn't think about that aspect. Help me here. What didn't I anticipate? And I just Mm -hmm. sat there and shut up and just listened to them. Didn't take anything personally. And then I said, thank you. I'll be back. I'll be back. But I need I, I need to take your advice and, and make sure that I know the answers to those questions.
0: That is saving the sale. That is the part of saving the sale. And noticing either the body language or the change in tone of voice mm-hmm. and then being able to being aware of it. So you can take a step back and say, I believe I miscommunicated here. Mm-hmm. What have I missed? Mm-hmm. And you did it with saying, help me here. You know, take a next step back. Another little component that you can use, a little tidbit for you,
1: mm-hmm. is
0: asking, before you get to the ask, is asking the person, how do you see me helping you? Because mm-hmm. you want them to say out loud how they see you helping them. Yeah. Because if they can't voice it out loud, you don't have the sale. So there isn't any sense you asking. So you have to go back, go back to the discovery, go back to asking those questions. You missed something along the line.
2: Right. And you know, the the beauty of it is we're all human. We all make mistakes. We all fail. Yeah. You're going to beat yourself up a little bit over, but get over it, bounce up and move forward.
0: Yes. It's always about taking that next step, you know, moving. And sometimes in sales, it isn't about getting the contract during that conversation. Mm -hmm. It's about setting up another meeting. It's about building that relationship. Absolutely. Uh And which is really important right now during, well, COVID and Mm post-COVID, because I say it's the trust meter. Our buyer's trust meter is Broken, you know, and if you don't want to think about it being broken, it has hit an all time low. And it's because of everything that has happened within the last year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So buyers aren't sure who they can trust. You know, and in sales, if we start to sound like we're manipulating, it's going to put up such a red flag. So it's going back to giving that value, building that relationship, and not pushing.
2: And it's interesting you say that. Because when the pandemic hit, the NSA community, and that's the National Speakers Association, the, the people that talk, not those who listen, as the old tale goes, there's there like a fraction of the membership that said, No, we got to push hard during this time.
1: No.
2: And there was another bigger fraction that said, I am not going to ask for money. I'm going to, how can I serve my yes. clients, the, my potential prospects, and not ask for any money, but just be there to help? And I think, personally, that was the, Water smarter approach for the long-term.
0: Agree with you 100%. And it's also who you are, your mission, your vision, mm-hmm. and what's authentic to you. I created numerous tip sheets, you know, like an infographic mm-hmm. that I gave out to anybody who wanted it. It's here. I created a sales toolkit that I gave for free to mm-hmm. chamber members or anybody on my list who, who needed it or wanted it. That felt good to me, for me to be pounding the pavement and pushing to say, you know, hire me, hire me, that didn't feel good.
2: Right, and the one thing I did recognize, when you, when the pandemic hit, and everybody we jumped home, and now we've got to deal with a, a platform, whether it's Zoom or whatever, 99% of the people had no clue, so I went to the, Ohio Society of Association of execs told the executive director, if anybody needs any help with any of this stuff, call me. I'd be happy to help them. I'll be happy to host it for them. I'd be happy to do whatever they need. I'd be happy to do it. And, and at no charge. He goes, What? I said, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because you know, and, and even with my wife's work, I was gonna be there was the, the one aspect of should I really be hosting their board meetings and being privy to the conversations. No, which led a lot of them say, well, we're going to go and get a Zoom subscription, but we want to use you as a resource. Perfect.
0: Yes. I have offered a couple of organizations that I'm in that if they didn't have a higher level of of Zoom, that Mm -hmm. I would be happy to host them on mine. And I would be like the back in tech for them. So like you, given that value, and it feels good.
2: Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, yeah, the cash flow didn't look that great, but you know what? I, I When it hit and I I saw gigs dying off on me, luckily I had some backup cash flow that I could rely on. And just went, yeah. you know, as someone told me, and I'm using this in my email uh, signature line, be positive, past negative.
0: Love it. Yeah. Love it.
2: I'm getting so frustrated not to worry, but. You know I think there's a little bit to zoom fatigue but I think people are taking a little bit too far and the you know some of the lowest me it's like you know what it's happened we have to deal with it so if we take right. like a positive attitude and embrace it versus like that Geico commercial you know don't be like your parents yes okay hey, Yes. Who, who wants to open the PDL oh god <laughs> not me no don't not not, not me just em- embrace it learn it it's frustrating everything everything new takes time but just go with with the right attitude and your book bounce up don't bounce back
0: and you've said it it's attitude so i have a colleague an nsa colleague who said during a conversation i don't want to do this i want to go back to to where we were before this happened i want to be able to get on a plane i want to do 20 keynotes in a month okay (laughs) well we're not there (laughs) So we can't do that right now. So what are you going to do instead? Being stuck. Yeah. Being, being, I I think we get stuck
2: because we're focusing on things that we have no control over. Right. And, And to your point, you focus on things that you have control over, not the things you don't have control.
0: Exactly. And it's stuck in the problem instead of thinking about the solution. And the easiest way to go from problem to solution, because problem is we're being reactive and we're making comments and we're making statements. When we switch to a question, we switch into solution. And I'll give you a personal example. So back when I was first diagnosed, Mm -hmm. and and I'm going to use this because everything that happens to us personally impacts us professionally. Absolutely. When I was first diagnosed, I had a 20% chance of surviving if chemo didn't work, and chemo had a 50% chance of working. So I had a choice. I could whine and cry and everything else. And and I will say I did cry, you Mm -hmm. know, but I also needed to make some changes, changes in my lifestyle. So when I had, and I called chemo magic wand, that was one of my first steps because anytime I talked about the breast cancer or the treatment to my kids, I could just see like, the wind taken out of their sails, Mm -hmm. and they're millennials. And I didn't want every time they looked at me for them to think of it. So I created fun names. I created, instead of chemo, it was magic wand because I believed it was going to reduce that tumor. Mm -hmm. For radiation, because I had radiation too. Mm -hmm. I called the machine Buzz because Buzz Light, you're so much fun. And when you think about buzz, you think about fun. So I did that with everything, even the IV, which I was attached to for seven hours. I called my boyfriend because my boyfriend was going with me everywhere. <laughs> so, and love, Peter, I have you laughing. And that's what I wanted to do. But it was a way to show anybody my clients, my kids, that you can flip a situation. I called it flip it. You can flip anything. Oh, so <laughs> I have tears. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, here's another one. I refused to let the doctors call me a patient. They had to call me a guest. Okay. I will say I annoyed them, but they knew me so well. I went to every single appointment dressed as if I were going on a business appointment. And that was a date with my future self. I used flip it. Mm -hmm. So during, when I was going through treatment, they did tell me that more than likely you will land in the hospital a few times Mm -hmm. because the intense (laughs) magic wand we're giving you, we don't give it to most people because they wouldn't make it. Mm -hmm. And it means exactly what you might think it means. Mm-hmm. So during that time, they said, you have to exercise. You want to get it through. But it was during flu season. I was told not to go to the gym because my immune system tanked. However, we have a beautiful conservatory here, Phipps Conservatory and Botanical Gardens. I joined you know, a membership, a year-long membership So I would go there to walk so that I was helping push everything out. Plus, it's gorgeous. It brought peace of mind to me. So it goes back to one of your favorite words, improvise. (laughs) Improvise. What can you do right now with what you have? And the people that got unstuck or moved through the pandemic positively are the ones who improvise. They used whatever they had Mm -hmm. right now to make it happen.
2: day, your attitude is just so wonderful. And as you were telling the story about your treatment and your boyfriend that goes with you everywhere, (laughs) I flash back to the forward of your book. And the woman who did the forward was talking about your treatment and basically talking about your attitude. You wrote that when you lost your hair, it didn't shake you because you had, but you would come in and 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 to your mastermind group and you'd be styling a new wig. Yes. and and I, and I do believe we said even one wig was purple.
0: So I had not quite purple, but I had. Be, because I couldn't quite do that, but I had extensions. Mm-hmm. And then I had hats that went with them. So it it was beyond college, you say, MJ, you're Stalin again. There mm-hmm. you are, MJ, Stalin again. So I transitioned into it. I knew that I was going to lose my hair before mm-hmm. I did so. What I did so it wasn't a major shock. In mm-hmm. fact, Peter, none of my clients, and I worked the entire time through, None of my clients knew that I had been diagnosed with cancer. I'd like to say cancer visited me. (laughs) Nobody knew. What I did was I started to wear some fashion hats Mm -hmm. so that when I went from having to wear the wig, the Mm -hmm. wig was underneath, and I called it my new hair. Mm -hmm. My new hair was underneath with a hat on top. And then after people got used to that, unfortunately, it was winter, then I got rid of the, the, hats and mm-hmm. then I just had my my new hair
2: mm-hmm. that, that's that's a great story and, and she also writes in the forward that she had a friend or a colleague going through pretty much the same thing that you were going through yes but the colleague took the opposite approach and stayed in the house had this uh, doom and gloom attitude about herself and I think the even the woman who wrote the forward even tried to get you to talk to her she wouldn't even talk to you
0: Renee Thompson is who wrote the foreword, and she is the CEO and founder of Healthy Workforce Institute. So she sees a lot of attitudes. Her subject is on bullying, so she really sees it. But exactly, she had a friend who was in the same exact position and took the opposite approach. And it was so sad that she did not reach out. Several of my doctors did ask if some of their other guests could reach out to me. And I said, absolutely. You know, my chiropractor, I don't know how many times she gave out my name. Hmm. And I did take every possible treatment. Like I did acupuncture and I did aromatherapy. You know, I did Reiki, whatever I could do in addition to your traditional treatment. I included it because who knew what could work?
2: Right. It's amazing what attitude does. Yes. It is absolutely amazing what a healthy, positive attitude can do. And and I think you you were, obviously you were thinking about yourself, but you were also, I'm surmising that you were also thinking about the people that were around you. You Yes. You were thinking not solely about you, but you were thinking about yourself, but also your kids, your client, everybody who interacted with you, you were thinking about them too.
0: Absolutely, Peter, one of the things that I do in addition to sales, and there's so much more to sales and you talk about change your mindset Mm -hmm. and mindset plays such a huge part in sales. And when I train or when I talk to sales teams or during conferences, I cover mindset because we need mindset in order to get results. Mm -hmm. So with it, if I could not handle my own adversity, How the heck could I go into a sales team or company and say, well, don't follow what I did, but listen to me. No, I had to be a role model. And, you know, I know some, you know, some of my backstory of when I Mm -hmm. started over 11 Mm -hmm. years ago, I need to be a good role model for my children because unfortunately my former spouse is not because of an addiction. So I need to show them that life is going to be hard, you know, like Rocky says, you Mm -hmm. know, life is going to hit you harder than anything else. And we need to be able to bounce up. And I needed to show them that. And you mentioned rejections. Mm -hmm. How could I go into a sales team and say blow off that rejection if I couldn't rebound? Mm -hmm okay i'm a little
2: passionate about it <laughs> no, no I, I i love that but when you said that i just reflected back to a story about my son when he asked this girl out for the first time he got shot down he was so bummed about it and i just said did she say why he went no i said well okay there's only one girl in your school no is there anybody else you might and i said "Well, go back and think about what you did before try something different so he came home you know uh, about a week later and he got rejected again and got rejected again. Then he came home one day and he said, "She said, yes. And he had this, this, he felt really proud. He felt really good about himself. And I, I, went, I went, okay, good. Bring it back down a little bit. <laughs> just because you got the date, don't get overly cocky there, my friend. Right. Bring it back and take that level approach. But when you were talking about that rejection, that story just popped into my head. And at one point, I think he thought he was, he was like, you know, Don Juan of the middle school. <laughs>
0: And in sales, we do have those highs. You know, I went from, so my last corporate position, I had taken a commission-based position, which is kind of crazy when you think about where I was at that point, I left a 20 some year marriage, I had $500 to my name. You know, I left a house I had, I didn't even have a bed at that time. And I needed to leave because my safety was threatened. Mm -hmm. So with it, but I knew that I had belief in myself. And I knew that sales was the one area that I could Really show what I could do, and if I worked really, really hard, I could make more money. Because prior to that, I was in a salaried sales position
1: mm-hmm.
0: for a nonprofit, which I didn't make a lot of money. <laughs> so going into it, it, and I will say, it was in an industry that I didn't know anything about. It was in the building industry. It was with a national builder that was building custom homes on your own lot. I didn't know about prep lot prep i didn't know about city water versus you know having to have you know a some pump or anything like that in fact i went through three interviews and then the third interview there were three gentlemen in the interview with me and someone said do you know what a header and footer is and i said yes they didn't ask anymore so they went on to the next question <laughs> Okay, I will tell you, a few weeks into that position, I was saying, MJ, what did you do? (laughs) So I was at the bottom of the barrel at that point. But I learned, you know, I use what I like to say is I incorporated a power team. You know, I found people that could mentor me, that could answer questions, that could be an accountability. Mm -hmm. And I went from being the bottom of the barrel to being a high producer, producing three times my sales quota. But we do get into sales slums as a sales professional or as a business owner, really anybody in business has some piece of sales. Mm -hmm. So it's finding a way to turn it around, to flip it, is what I like to say.
2: Yeah, we're, we're going to use that phrase in some of the social media posts that we're going to provide you uh, graphics. I like that flip it and, and the bounce up, and you're in the building industry, and I'm sitting. I'm sitting there trying. I'm, I'm imagining this whole interview process, and I know why they hired you because of your attitude. I mean, I mean, you 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 have not you you smile all the time, which I which is. I love, and I wish more people would. But you've just got this genuine smile, this, this genuine attitude. You're very authentic, and yes, you are a motivational speaker. There's some motivational speakers that can't hold a candle to your motivation.
0: Oh, thank you. Ooh.
2: Wow, I mean, you, you've, you, you've, um, I, I do research on my on my guests, and I'm always, yeah, I, I can't go into depth, but during the interview, a lot comes out, and. You've motivated me big time. You've you've been you've inspired me to look at sales from a different perspective. I've always been good at taking understanding adversity, accepting adversity, mm-hmm. and changing that mindset. But there's always been that kryptonite. And it's not gonna be kryptonite anymore, thanks to you.
0: Good. And it it is thinking about, and I think this is what had me successful in an industry that I didn't know anything about that I learned from the ground up. Hmm. And I was thinking about the other, that other person, my very first client. So I started on a Friday and on Saturday, I had my very first client (laughs) and he came in, he knew which model and get this. I worked out of a storefront. So I am selling out of a storefront next to a Panera Bread. I didn't even have a custom home. So (laughs) fortunately I was really good at creating descriptions. (laughs) So he ended up buying a house for me, not that day, but six Mm -hmm. months later. And I was finding out about him. I knew so much about my clients. Mm -hmm. I mean, one, and I'll give an example. One couple had four children under the age of eight. She homeschooled, she also canned, and he worked from home. Three boys and the littlest was a girl. They were going to build a house that was like 1800 square feet. And I'm looking at this house and I knew it didn't have enough space for them. And I said to her, Jen, this house will fit you now? But think about this, in five years, (laughs) your boys are gonna be teens and tweens. They're gonna have friends over. They'll have sports equipment. Where will you put it? Mm. Ended up putting them in the best house for them. But Mm. looking at them as what is best for them. I knew I could lose the sale, Mm. you know, because they were going into a higher bracket model. Right, right. Or they could go elsewhere and have someone tell them what they wanted to hear.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, but I have their best interest. And one more other story where having someone's best interest comes into play. There was this young couple that came in and he really wanted to buy a house. So think about this you have to buy land, you have to get your land prepped, which could be anywhere between 20 and 50,000 or more, plus the house. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's a lot of components to it. And I knew looking at where they were in the way of their pre-approval and where they wanted to build, thinking about the taxes, thinking about the land prep, thinking about how much land costs. And I said to them, please go home. And whether it's your parents or an uncle or an older sibling, have them look at your finances. Have them look at this quilt that I'm giving you that is only on the house before you jump into this project.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A week later, I got a call and he said, MJ, thank you, because we can't afford it. And I looked at him as, what would I, how would I want someone to treat my son or my daughter? And I would not want someone to treat my daughter, push the sale through, and have them lose the house. Do you know what came out of that, Peter? Three recommendations, three referrals from friends of theirs who ended up, I built a house for them.
2: That's a great story. I mean, salespeople do get a bad rap. But yes. there are But there's, this, there's a stereotype out there. And there's some who have done the sale, got their commission, called it a day, they're happy. But as I said earlier, you don't think about yourself. You do, but you think about who you're interacting with. You think about that audience. You think about that client. Those people who are coming in and what's best for them, not what's best for you. Right. And right. That, goes a, that goes a long way in building strong relationships and getting great referrals.
0: Yes. And you know what? I will say I am grateful and blessed to have had that empathy I can't really, you know, it's, I, I feel it's something that it's a trait, it's a strength mm-hmm. that I had that I've developed, but I had a piece of that. Not everybody has a piece of that. So they really have to build that trait. So I'll say I was fortunate that I had, I just had it blossom. Well,
2: it's funny you should use the word empathy because I'm writing a article right now on empathy for my, my, my podcast. And I start off by talking about uh, this book called Humans Are Underrated. Jeff Colvin, who was the former editor of Fortune magazine, where he writes, most successful leaders in the future will be those who can empathize.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And guys, women empathize better than you. Period. You better mm-hmm. learn, because men are not the best empathizers at all. Luckily, improv has taught me how to empathize, Mm -hmm. It's a critical skill that's needed, but I mean, just that in itself, the ability to empathize with the other person and help them figure out what's best for them.
0: And with it, I will say uh, people that can be empathetic are people who are more resilient because they can look at the bigger picture. They're not focused on themselves. They're focusing on the company or the team or others. They're more resilient. They are not focused on them. And you can tell when a change happens, when when change happens within a company Mm -hmm. and you're telling the team about it or you're sharing it with Mm -hmm. the team, you can look around and see the difference in body language. And then the first statements, Mm -hmm. oh, my goodness, this is going to cost me so much work or I can't believe we're going through this or, you know, rather than, oh, this is going to help us down the line. Oh, new software. That's awesome. (laughs) Oh, you know, I'm not going to have to go through 15 steps. We're moving down to five. And that's where people who can empathize, who are more empathetic, are usually more resilient.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. And the, the word that I used in this article is those who are self-absorbed, create chaos, confusion, <laughs> destruction, versus those who empathize, creates an environment, who creates a culture, who who empowers people to do things, not micromanage them. I, and there's examples of that all around. But as as I wrap up, and I used to do this, and, and I thought about it the other day, I used to ask my guests, You know, i put them through this litany of of questions, these rapid fire questions, just to kind of get them know a little bit better, you know. um, But I I start asking people, I'm going to start asking people, what's a fun fact about you that I don't know, or maybe a lot of people who know you don't know? What's that fun fact about you, other than your your wonderful smile?
0: (laughs) Well, well, thank you. I probably don't look like I can be a risk taker. (laughs) or someone who likes to take adventures. Uh-huh. And so a fun fact, I'll share two. Okay. One, I ziplined over Gators in Alabama. So I had taken a zip line course. It was actually seven towers. And once you got past the first tower, you could not back out. You were in for the ride or the next seven rides. Mm -hmm. And it was actually over gators, Mm -hmm. which is pretty awesome. Like, I love to talk about that. Mm -hmm. And I will say, when I went through the second one, because the gators were over the second zip, Mm -hmm. and I'm looking down, I did wish I had my camera, but I was Mm -hmm. afraid to take my camera because it was a zip line where it didn't stop you. You actually had to control it. You had these heavy leather gloves on that had still played here and you had to grab the line you couldn't grab it completely because it would throw you backwards but you had to like just slow yourself down with it yes Wow. and then the other fun fact is when i was in up michigan upper peninsula michigan i toured a black bear rescue black bear reserve, something like that. Mm. And I got to go inside of an area with baby black bears. And there was one baby black bear who would not leave me alone. He was so (laughs) darn cute. He was also pretty big, but I had a backpack on and he wanted something in my backpack. I'm not sure what it was. We were actually playing tug of war (laughs) with my backpack. And I thought, Because I was actually on a media trip at the time, and that backpack was—I didn't take a handbag, so I needed it. It had everything in it that I needed for the next week. I was like, "You cannot have it. You cannot tear it apart. I need it." So those are two kind of fun facts.
2: Wow, Um, you said you as a risk risk taker, and I went—I kind of do because of the attitude. I think, yeah, let's try it. Why not? It's safe or whatever. But you made friends with a Blackberry. Not everybody can say that.
0: Right. Because another one I say is I biked down a volcano in Maui. But I think people can say that, you know, they bike down. So, you know, I've done a few other things, but those are probably the most interesting
2: Well, MJ, this has been an absolute pleasure uh, interviewing you. I've learned so much. You've motivated me. I know you're going to motivate my audience. Thank you so very much for your time. And uh, I look forward to when our paths cross, preferably not in Zoom again. (laughs) But if that's the case, I'm always up for it. I'm always up for a conversation. But I look forward to seeing you in person when we can get back to some sort of normalcy.
0: Peter, this has been such a delight, and I cannot wait until we can sit down and maybe have a cocktail or two. Oh,
2: twist my arm, please. (laughs) Thank you so very much, MJ. I can't thank MJ enough for sharing her stories and her three game-changing fundamentals to outpower adversity, crush change, and unleash momentum to, once again, bounce up. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Remember to subscribe to and share this podcast episode with a friend. I would like to make an additional ask if you would go to my YouTube channel, The Accidental Accountant, and subscribe. I'm trying to get my numbers up to that magical 100 subscriptions, so I'd greatly appreciate any support that you can give me on my YouTube channel. I will conclude with an improv quote that's fitting for this interview. The only way to cope with something deadly serious is to try to treat it a little lightly. Be safe. Test negative. Be careful out there.
1: Like what you just heard? Visit c sweetradiocom C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business.